Hello and welcome to the Dynasty Baseball Pickups Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Corso, joined by my co-host today, Kyle Sontag. How's it going, Kyle? I'm doing well, man. How are you? It's been a few weeks since we've had a, a chance to do this. Yeah, I mean, it's the off-season. People are busy. Holidays are coming up. So yeah, it's been tough to get on the same page in terms of the uh, the podcast recordings and apologies for not getting a podcast out last week. Uh, I had a whole plan and everything ready to go and then uh, just got super busy last weekend. So wasn't able to do that, but happy to be back with you all today. Uh, the major league season is officially over. Um, so this is, you know, the real off season for, for dynasty baseball here. And we're going to celebrate that by getting into uh, looking at some rookies today who debuted last year and really struggled in their debuts, or at least didn't live up to the hype. Um, so we're going to go through and do a draft similar to what we did for the AFL, where we're going to uh, take turns drafting players who debuted last year and um, you know met our quote unquote struggle criteria. So for this criteria, we had if for hitters, they had to have a WRC plus under 100 and for pitchers, they had to have an ERA over four. So, you know, some of these players, you might think, well, they didn't struggle that much from a fantasy standpoint. Um, but we're going to go through kind of pick who we think are the top prospects of this bunch and then discuss uh, whether or not there's some potential buy low opportunities uh, based on their um, initial struggles in their debuts. So uh, without further ado, let's get going. Um, last time Kyle had the first pick in the AFL draft. So I'm going to go ahead and take the first pick in this draft. And it's really tough one for me. I've, I've flip flopped back and forth on who I wanted to take number one. And I think ultimately it comes down to, really, you know, having a combination of power and speed. And for that, I'm picking Jordan Lawler. Awesome. Uh, You're leaving my guy on the board. Yeah. I, I, I went back and forth so many times on, on who I liked more. I think they're really neck and neck one, a one B here. Um, but at the end of the day, I just think the speed with Lawler is the deal breaker. You know, we talked about it before, you know, if you have, um, you know, right now with the stolen base rules being what they are, you really need to have, players who can contribute in that steal category. And it's not to say the guy who's going to get picked next, who we'll talk about can't, you know, chip in some, but clearly, you know, for a power speed upside, um, you know, Jordan Lawler's the top one on here. So just kind of backtrack a little bit. Um, you know, everyone should know <laughs> Jordan Lawler at this point, but 21 years old shortstop in Arizona's organization, um, you know, had a cup of coffee this year, only 34 plate appearances in the regular season did not perform well. Only 129, 206, uh, 129 slash. He had one stolen base, but you know, he, he performed pretty well at the uh, minor league level. He slashed 278, 378, 496, had 20 home runs, 36 stolen bases, uh, 21% walk rate, 11%, uh, I'm sorry, 21% K rate, 11% walk rate. And then, you know, one thing to keep in mind with him is, you know, he had that really, really solid season in the minors, but he actually started extremely slow. So he was coming off of uh, an injury that happened late last year. I think it was during the AFL uh, where he fractured his scapula. So, you know, he really came out of the gates struggling this year. Um, as of, you know, May 21st, he had a 162 average and a 638 OPS. From that point forward, he had an OPS of around 1,000. So this is a guy whose season could have been even better um, you know, when you're adding to those minor league numbers, but he really just kind of, I, I think was still recovering um, from the, the injury that he had in the off season. So I think the floor, or sorry, I think the ceiling is sky high with him. I think you have, you have legit power speed upside. I mean, you could have, 
you know, 25 home runs, 40 stolen bases. I mean, you could really have a, a fantasy monster here. Um, the floor is probably not quite as high as the guy that you're going to pick, but I think ultimately at the end of the day, um, it was that upside that really made me pick Lawler as my number one pick here. Yeah, you know, we talk about it all the time when we're we're discussing these young players, whether they be prospects or rookies or whatever, especially at the top end, you you want to shoot for that upside. And like you said, Lawler has it. You know, you talked about the power speed uh, combination that he has. He, he didn't show really any power in the bigs. He's shown it throughout the minors, but didn't show a whole lot of it in the bigs. We'll see that. I have no doubt. But the the speed was impressive in his brief debut. You know, he, he put up elite sprint speed numbers yeah. with a max sprint speed of 30 feet per second, which is good for 99th percentile in the MLB behind just eight players. Most notably of those, you've got guys like Ellie De La Cruz, Bobby Witt Jr., Trey Turner, and his teammate Corbin Carroll. So there's a ton of speed in this profile and plenty of power to give you that good combo. Yeah, and and the the stack cast numbers for power at the big league level were not great. Let's let's be honest, they were extremely bad. Seventy seven point eight average x uh, exit velocity is just terrible. But again, only thirty four plate appearances. His yeah. AAA uh, EVs were you know eighty six point three average. So Definitely, you know, nothing elite, but definitely has at least average, if not above average power. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I, I think he's a good one. Now, the question is, you know, as we're going through this, talking about buying opportunities, I think your real buying opportunity was early last year when Jordan Lawler was struggling. I mean, yep. you could have gotten him for a steal. Um, right now, do you think there's any kind of buying opportunity based on that that small sample? Or do you think, you know, fancy owners are smart enough that... Um, you're really not going to be able to get much of a, of a discount on them. I think the vast majority of fantasy owners are going to know better than to, to be trading him away right now. You're not going to get a discount in most leagues. I'm sure there's a handful of Lawler owners out there who will be willing to, to trade him away for, you know, maybe 80 cents on the dollar, but you're not going to get much of a discount from anyone with any type of savvy. Yeah, I agree. All right, so now your pick. Tell us about uh, Junior Caminero. <laughs> you nailed it. it. It is Junior Caminero, and I I truly believe the only reason Caminero even qualifies for this draft, you know, similar to Lawler, is because it was such a limited sample size. He played in just seven games, and that's just an, just not enough time to get a meaningful sample or for a hitter to adjust, especially when you consider that he was called up directly from double-A. That being said, in those seven games, he did show flashes of his plus-plus raw power, hitting one home run and putting up some pretty solid exit velocities, including a 112-mile-per-hour max EV. But we all know, know he has big power, and that's a part of his game. But what really surprised me and what put him over the edge over Lawler is the fact that his speed actually really showed up. He uh he clocked in with an 83rd percentile sprint speed at 28.6 feet per second, which is far better than what the average speed grades he generally gets would suggest and far better than I was expecting to see. You know, others who recorded similar sprint, sprint speeds to that 28.6 include names like Brandon Marsh, Jordan Walker, CJ Abrams, O'Neill Cruz, and Luis Roberts. Those are all guys that we 
we think of as as pretty fast players. Now, I'm I'm not trying to say that Camonero is going to steal a bunch of bases. That's not in his game. He's not aggressive on the base pass, but that's fine. Between his big power and the much better speed than I was expecting, uh, I really, really expect that his uh, his BABIP, which was a career low 280, again, very small sample, but I, I really expect that to go up, and I expect to see big, big things out of Junior Caminero. I think he's going to have a monster year next season and really should be a front runner for the AL Rookie of the Year award. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And again, like this was not, not an easy choice for me. I, I initially had Caminero uh, ahead of Lawler coming into this. I flip-flopped them several times. I think, you know, you mentioned the sprint speed. He really hasn't shown the inclination to run. Um, no. I think his, his max in a season was like 10 stolen bases. So you might get a handful, um, you know, maybe he can hit that double digit mark in a couple different seasons, but it's really not going to be part of a game, but this is a guy who's 20 years old yeah. at the big league level, can't even drink yet. And, you know, he could hit 30 home runs next year. So, um, you know, just really, really impressive prospect. I think he's got to be, you know, both these guys are in any top five, if not top three of, of prospects uh, lists. And I think with Caminero, my, my one hesitation and something that just kind of knocked him below Lawler is that I know Lawler's going to play. It's tough with the Rays and what they do with their prospects because we've seen them messing around with their prospects. I, I think the the one thing that gives me some hope with Caminero is just that they brought him up straight from Double A, which they just mm-hmm. don't do right. No. And and I think this is a play for that draft pick. This is a play, like you said, for him being the Rookie of the Year front runner um, because this is not usually how the Rays operate. So maybe they recognize him as a generational talent. Um, and, and they'll make him a big part of their plans. But I really, really hope they don't play games with him next year, um, particularly if we see, you know, Wander Franco back again. You know, what does that mean for Caminero? I don't know. Absolutely. But... Now, that was a name I wanted to suggest because you you mentioned they don't normally do this, but who was the last guy they did this with that they were aggressive with? It was Wander Franco. Yeah. Right? So though they don't often do it, if they have confidence in a guy, they'll give him the playing time. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, up next, it kind of, you know, that's a clear 1A, 1B. Up next, it kind of opens up a little bit. Um, but I'm going to take another uh, guy with some major power and speed upside, and that is Anthony Bulby. So he's um, shortstop in Yankees organization. He played the whole year at the big leagues, um, kind of won the job out of spring training. Um, you know, overall, the slash line was pretty terrible, 209, 283, 383. But if you had him in fantasy, you know, you can still see that there was a lot of value there because he hit the 2020 mark. He had 21 home runs, uh, 24 stolen bases. Uh, The plate approach, you know, was not great. 8.7% walk rate is fine, but the 28% K rate was a little high. But again, this is a a person coming out playing, you know, the highest profile position for one of the highest profile teams Um, from day one, a lot of pressure on him, And to still have that 2020 season, I, I think, you know, the improvement's going to come. And I, I think he's got a very high ceiling. I think what we saw this year um, is just him kind of adjusting to the big leagues. The stat cast numbers were pretty good. 88.7% uh, average exit velocity, 108% uh, hard, or, um, max EV, and then 79% sprint speed. I mean, he had, you know, all, all of what you want to see, um, you know, in terms of the stack cast to back up that this is a legitimate power speed threat going forward. So, 
you know, maybe in those batting average leagues, um, you, you might be able to buy low on him. Um, maybe in like a, a points league or something where he might not have scored that well, but I don't know that there's too much of a buying opportunity. What do you, what do you think about Anthony Volpe? I think there's much more of a buying opportunity for Volpe than there is for Lawler or even Caminero, who we didn't really discuss that with. I don't think, you know, you're going to get a huge discount on them and certainly not all Volpe owners will be willing to sell low, but I do expect there to be some sort of a buying window in a lot of leagues up there. I'm right there with you though. Um, you know, he, he showed a lot of really good stuff. Like you said, put up the, the 2020 season despite a shaky slash line. And again, you mentioned it. He did it all as a 22-year-old playing above average defense at a premium position in front of the meanest and most ruthless fans and media in all of baseball. So the Yankees as an organization clearly have confidence in him or he wouldn't have been out there every single day. Yeah, definitely agree. I mean, playing shortstop for the Yankees is (laughs) about as much pressure as you could get on you as possible, uh, particularly when they're, you know, in such a slump in terms of, uh, you know, what they've been able to do in the postseason. So, um, all right, who is your next pick here? Uh, so you, you know, left the the top hitter on my board out there for me, and you also left the top pitcher out there <laughs> for me. I had Grayson Rodriguez ahead of Volpe, and I'm more than happy to take him at four here. You know, it was it was really a tale of two seasons for Grayson Rodriguez in his rookie year. In his first ten starts in the bigs, he threw forty five point forty five and a third innings with a seven thirty five ERA and one seven four WHIP coupled with what was actually a good 11.19 K per nine and four one seven walk per nine. And then he was sent back to triple a to work on some stuff. When he got called back up in 13 starts, he threw 76 and two thirds innings with a much improved 258 ERA and one Oh nine whip. And although his K per nine dropped uh, sorry, his yeah, his K per nine dropped to just 8.57. His walks per nine greatly improved, coming down to 2.47. Now, the the one thing for me that really surprised me and I think led to a lot of his struggles was the fact that although he receives plus grades for his fastball, it had a well below average run value per baseball savant reaching just the eighth percentile in the entire league. Whether it be a poor movement profile, poor sequencing, lack of tunneling, tipping the pitch, or something else, I just don't see his fastball being a below-average pitch again in 2024. So when you pair that with the fact that his breaking ball and his off-speed pitches, whose run values were 77th and 93rd percentile respectively, he's going to have an excellent year in 2024 my only pause for concern with Grayson Rodriguez is and always has been his health you know he had some shoulder issues last year I believe they were issues with his shoulder and he throws his change up with a lot of movement caused by a lot of pronation on that pitch this isn't necessarily always an issue you know look at Devin Williams over in Milwaukee now he's a reliever so the, the wear and tear doesn't add up quite the same, but it, it does increase his risk of injury and is something to keep an eye on as it was his most used pitch after the fastball. 
all in all, though, I think there's a lot to like here. And I think he's going to be a lot closer to that 258 ERA we saw after being promoted back to the bigs than the 735 that he put up to start the season. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and he would have been my next pick. Um, you know, you mentioned just the, the great run values off the breaking and the off speed pitches. You know, let's not forget as hard as that fastball got hit, he averaged over 97 miles an hour on it. Like that is a, you know, elite fastball in terms of velocity. And if you compare that with, you know, the, the great secondaries and then, you know, the, the command gains that he showed in the, in his return to the big leagues, I mean, you have an ace here, like clearly. So I, and especially pitching in that ballpark with what should be a fairly strong lineup with all those young um, up and coming players around him. I, I think he's going to have, you know, a lot of really great seasons in terms of the buying opportunity here. I don't know. I, I think it, it, it could be a mixed bag depending on how, um, you know, how people looked at the the second half there. I think it's going to be difficult to buy low on him, but if you can get any kind of a discount, I would jump on it. Yeah. I think if you have an owner who maybe, you know, checked out in the latter half of the season for whatever reason, and just looks at the, the numbers as a whole, there might be a buying opportunity, but for the most part, I, I'm with you. There, there's not going to be a, a lot of a, a discount on him right now with how strong he finished out the season. Yeah. All right. For my next pick, I'm going with a, another hitter who's a power speed threat, and that is Pete Crow Armstrong. So uh, Pete Crow barely uh, touched the majors last year. He only had 19 plate appearances, didn't get any hits, uh, struck out quite a bit, but showed a, a strong uh, walk rate in that short short little stint. Um, not much to really take away from that, but in the minors, uh, he had a full season where he slashed 283, 365, 511, a 9.2% walk rate, 26% K rate, uh, finished with 20 home runs and 37 stolen bases. So, you know, I, I think the, the 20 home runs, I, I, I think I could definitely see him doing that, um, you know, routinely at the big leagues. I don't think that's his, his ceiling by any stretch. Uh, he had, you know, pretty good exit velocity of uh, 87.4 average. Um, the, you know, again, what he did at the major league level, there's not a lot to take away from. But one thing that you can take away from it is he showed a 98 percentile sprint speed. So um, really, really fast, uh, has at least average power, um, you know, pretty good approach. You know, you hope that the K rate doesn't doesn't sneak up too much. Um, but I think this is just a solid uh, power speed threat to bet on, um, again, 21 years old outfielder in the Cubs organization. So what are your thoughts on Pete Crow? You know, I'm, I'm not nearly as positive on him as you are at this point. I, I actually had him a fair bit further down my list, not even in my top 10. Really? Um, wow. This is like you said, a guy with a very short stint in the majors, but unlike some of the others on this list who showed promise of their talent and tools, the brief big league debut for PCA was just disastrous. He didn't record a single hit in the, the 13 games he played. Now, a lot of those games to his, uh, you know, credit and something that'll help keep him on the field is the fact that he plays elite defense. So a lot of those 13 games that he played, he didn't get many ABs or even an AB. He only had 19 play appearances in those 13 games. The biggest issue for me is that he struck out more than 35% of the time in that debut. And he is a guy who's always run some 
pretty high K rates, but this was still very alarming. You know, as I mentioned before, he is an elite defender in center field, so he's going to get every opportunity to show that the bat can do some damage. But he's going to need to do that damage early on in 2024 if he doesn't want to start hearing comps to guys like Christian Pache. All right. Well, what I'm hearing is that there's a buying opportunity here. So Absolutely. I'm all about that. I'm going <laughs> to. If, if you're in on him, I think this is a great buying opportunity. If Personally, if I own PCA anywhere, I'm not giving up on him yet. I will say that much. I'm not giving up on him yet, but I I am a little bit worried. All right. Well, let's get to your next pick. But before you do, I'm going to guess it's a pitcher. It is a pitcher. You're you're. <laughs> given me my top two arms here and I'm going with a guy that we just saw a lot out of in the postseason, and that's Brandon fought. You can ignore practically everything you saw from him in the regular season. That's not who he is. He looked completely devoid of confidence and it showed in almost every stat you can think of for a pitcher. His K rates, walk rates, batting average against ERA, whip, and even home run rates though home runs have been a bit of an issue throughout his career, were all among his career worst in his MLB debut in the regular season. Now turn the page to the postseason, and he lowered his ERA two and a half points from 5.72 in the regular season to 3.27. His whip dropped from 141 to 109. Batting average against dropped from 278 to 232. His K percentage rose from 22.3 to 29.9%. His walk percentage dropped from 0.2 to 5.7%. And even his home run rate dropped from over two home runs per nine innings to 1.23 home runs per nine. He was a completely different pitcher in the postseason, and that is far more of who I expect to see take the mound for the Diamondbacks in 2024. Yeah, I, I think out of any... Uh, you you can kind of debate him and Evan Carter, but out of any of the players in the postseason, you know, Fat's got to be the one that has seen the the biggest rise from his postseason performance. Absolutely, I think he's the one that probably benefits the most because of how shaky his regular season was. Whereas Evan Carter was doing well in the regular season and just continued on through the postseason. Now there were more eyes on him in the postseason, so his stock's obviously going to rise too. But I think fought like you mentioned, probably is the biggest riser from his postseason performance. Yeah, I I, I don't know. <laughs> I like fought a lot. Uh, I, I have, you know, some shares. I don't want to get rid of them, but I always am kind of wary of, of putting too much stock into postseason performance. I think it's a little bit easier with a pitcher um, just because, you know, those sample sizes are a lot more meaningful um, mm-hmm. for pitchers, but the circumstances are just so unusual compared to the regular season. I, I can't fully um, buy into that extent. I, I had him a little bit further down my list. I want to see him, you know, perform that way in the regular season, but I think we got a, a clear glimpse of, you know, what kind of pitcher he can be, which is an outstanding uh, strikeout pitcher who with great control. Um, Absolutely. So you I, know, the, the home run rates may continue to be a concern, but you know, especially in his home ballpark, it's not easy to take one out in Arizona. So you can, you know, maybe discount that a little bit, but it is something to be aware of. Yeah. Yeah. This is a point in this draft where I just have a lot of pitchers kind of in one group and, and Brandon mm-hmm. Fott is uh, definitely in that group. Um, but I had another pitcher over him uh, who is Brian Wu. 
Okay. So, so Brian Wu, um, you know, 23 year old pitcher in the Mariners organization. Um, you know, he, he had a, an okay debut, um, in 18 games started. He had a 421 ERA, a 1.21 whip, a 25% K rate, 8.4% walk rate. So, you know, he just kind of snuck into that eligibility here. I mean, overall, it was a, a pretty strong season. Um, you know, in the minors, he was just elite. He had a uh, nine game started, a, a 2.05 ERA, a whip under one, a 34.3% K rate, 7% walk rate. Um, you know, overall, this was a guy who had, um, you know, a strong uh, fastball velo. He had uh, a strong fastball run value. Um, but really the, the off-speed stuff, you know, got, got kind of hit up at the big league level. And really a lot of that was his changeup. Um, it got pulverized, uh, but it was also his usely his least used pitch. So if he can just kind of like, you know, tighten up the changeup a bit, you know, I, I, I have a lot of faith in the Mariners, uh, you know, pitching development, obviously. I think this is a really great pitcher. And um, yeah, I think, you know, I don't know what sort of sort of value opportunity you have on him, but. Um, I think you could probably get him for, for a little less than what he's worth at this point. So I, I would be all about uh, buying into Brian Wu. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this is a guy who, you know, not, not even due to performance has created a buying window, but just due to the fact that he, he wasn't really even the, the high or the, the biggest name rookie in that pitching staff there in Seattle. You know, we might talk about someone else later on who, came into the season with a little more fanfare, but the fact that this guy's going before that other Seattle pitcher says a lot, you know, nothing Wu really does wows you, but diving more into his savant page, which I'm going to continue to mention throughout this episode, by the way, because that's where I I took a lot of this information, but uh, we can see that Brian Wu graded out in the top 25th percentile in X ERA, X batting average, uh average exit velocity barrel percentage and hard hit percentage and if we lower the benchmark a little bit he was also above average in both whiff and k rates and right around average and walk percentage so not only is that uh fastball playing quite well but he's commanding it well as well which is you know huge for a guy especially a rookie but any pitcher in particular yeah, I mean his. You mentioned it. His Statcast page lights up like a, a Christmas tree. I mean, it's yeah, a it lot of really red. Nice. Um, you know, one thing to mention that, that's great about this kind of conversation versus our normal, um, you know, prospect conversation is that we do get that Statcast data, even though in some mm-hmm. cases these are small sample sizes. So it definitely helps us better evaluate, you know, who these players are. Um, all right, who is your your next pick here? You know, you mentioned that there are a number of pitchers kind of in this area, but I actually have one more hitter ahead of any of the the other pitchers, and that is Zach Neto. This is oh, a guy wow. who was called up, you know, less than a year after being drafted and has over 100 more plate appearances in the bigs than at every level of the minors combined. And in doing so, he struck out at what is a respectable 25% clip, all things considered. Um, Now, no, he didn't put up any crazy numbers and isn't a guy that's going to necessarily provide a ton of counting stats regardless. 
but this is a guy who really is still developing and I expect him to take a step forward and put up some pretty nice slash lines especially if we're talking about a batting average league he doesn't walk a ton just six percent of the time but I do expect that to improve as he develops as well the the one you know concern is that it's the Angels and part of the reason that they call called him up so early is likely because even they're aware of what their reputation is in developing players. Yeah. I mean, I, I had him pretty far down on my list. Um, I think I had him ranked 18th. <laughs> so I, I think for me, the, the biggest question I have is what is, what is the ceiling? You know, I, I think he's definitely high floor. He's a great points league option. Um, he's got some tools, you know, still young, still developing, and actually, you know, he had some injuries this year that that could have, mm-hmm. you know, slowed him down a bit. He was dealing with an oblique and uh, I believe a back injury as well. Um, but what do you see as like his home run stolen base ceiling? You know, I'm not sure he's ever a, a 2020 guy, but if he's 15-15 with a good batting average, he's going to give you a lot of value. Yeah. Um, okay. So do you think there's a, a buy low option? for him right now i think so yes and i i think part of it as you mentioned is because he did have those injuries that slowed him down throughout the year i i think if he can stay healthy going forward i think he's a great buy low candidate right now yeah i think definitely just the the differences in our value shows that you know he's Absolutely. definitely somebody who uh is undervalued in a lot of places including by me perhaps so <laughs> um, i sure right. think so <laughs> All right. Well, I have another pitcher uh, coming up and kind of very similar to, um, you know, Brian Wu in that he wasn't the the top prospect as organization. He kind of was a more recent uh, pop-up pitcher, but um, still one I'm really excited about. And that's Emmett Sheehan of the Dodgers. Um, so he's another uh, 23-year-old. His season um, was kind of a mixed bag. He had a 4.92 ERA, but a pretty good 1.19 uh, whip and then uh, 25% K rate in a 10.5% walk rate. So the walks were a little high and that's kind of always been um, the deal with him is the the question about his command, but, you know, he has a great fastball, um, you know, average 95.4 had good uh, breaking value and good off-speed value. um, You know, grades on stat cast had a good chase rate, good whiff rate, good K rate. Um, performed extremely well in, in the minors as well. He had 11 games started with a 2.43 ERA, a whip under one, uh, 41% K rate, which is just bonkers, and 11.6% walk rate. So that walk rate was pretty high. Um, you know, he doesn't give up a lot of hits, uh, but he he does give up quite a few walks. So, you know, that's something that he'll have to work on. But I trust the Dodgers pitching development. I think with you know, all the injuries they've had, you know, I definitely hope he gets a shot at the rotation next year. And and he's somebody I would definitely be buying if they're just looking at that 492 ERA. Yeah, you know, you mentioned it. There's a lot to like with Emmett Sheehan um, going again back to baseball savant. There's a lot of red on his page, which for those of you unfamiliar with baseball savant, red is good, blue is bad. It's really that simple. You can break it down further, but red is good, blue is bad. Now, where the blue shows up is in some concerning areas, like hard hit, barrel percentage, ground ball percentage, along with his walk rates. 
Now, this implies that even though he's not giving up a ton of hits, when he does, he's giving up a lot of hard contact, often in the air and often with runners on base. And this shows up in his home run per nine of 1.64, as well as the fact that he only managed to strand 69% of base runners. And that's just not a very nice combination. That being said, like you mentioned, he does have an awesome fastball changeup combo. He's got some great pitches. He's in an awesome organization. And I think he shows a lot of promise, but he does need to greatly improve his control and command and bring those home run and walk numbers down to more manageable ranges. Yeah, I, I think he can. Do, do you think there's an opportunity to buy out there for Emmett? I think so, yeah. And this is a guy that I, I would be interested in buying, but as you alluded to already, one of the concerns with anyone in the Dodgers system is, you know, how much of an opportunity does he get next year? Will he be in that rotation or does the return of guys like Dustin May and Walker Bueller push him out of favor, out of favor and maybe back to the minors to start the year and maybe into the bullpen in due time? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a question, you know, who knows what they'll do this off season. I'm sure they will be active, but um, yeah, I, I think at some point we'll see him next year and I think he's just going to be a solid um, you know, mid rotation starter with, uh, you know, good K rates and, you know, hopefully won't hurt your whip too bad. Um, all right. So who is your, your next player here? Uh, my next pick, I am going back to the mound and I'm taking Taj Bradley. Ah, that was my next one. <laughs> I, I was honestly surprised to see that Bradley's ERA was so high at, you know, five, five, nine. I know he had his ups and downs, but it sure felt like he pitched better than that. And, Honestly, some of the predictive stats, like expected ERA, FIP, which is fielding independent pitching, and expected FIP all imply that he did pitch better than what his ERA shows because they were all around one to one and a half runs lower than his actual ERA. Now, the biggest difference in Bradley's performance at any level in 2023 was his sudden home run problem. You know, he had a 1.98 home run per nine, almost two in the, the MLB this year, and an even worse rate of 2.15 home runs per nine in AAA. His previous worst was last season in AAA in 2022 at 1.53 home runs per nine. And before that, even, his home run rate had never been higher than a single home run per nine. Now, from what I can tell from his heat maps on Baseball Savant, he left his fastball up and in the middle of the plate a lot this year. And that's obviously going to cause problems. If he can start locating that pitch in better parts of the plate, and I expect that he will, we could really see his already strong 28% K rate go up and his fly ball percentage go down along with his home run per nine and ERA. Yeah, I, I really like Todd Bradley. I think, um, I think a lot of it just from what I remember, Tampa was kind of messing with them. You know, they brought him up, they sent him down. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it, it, I, I, he was performing well. And then once they sent him down that first time, I think he, he really struggled at the minor league level as well. Um, you know, again, you mentioned he just got, you know, hit really hard, but the, the K and walk rates were kind of where you want to see them. So, um, I have a lot of belief in, in him going forward, uh, particularly in the Rays organization, if, if they can, you know, devote a spot to him next year. Uh, I think there's a great buy low opportunity there because 
you know, the, the uh, ERA was terrible. Um, you know, the whip was terrible. I, I think you can get them for a really good value right now. I completely agree. I'm in on, on buying him where I can this year. All right. So my next pick is going to be another pitcher. Uh, I think this is one that you alluded to earlier, and that's Brian Wu's teammate, Bryce Miller. So uh, he's 25 years old, uh, starter in the Mariners organization. Um, you know, he was one that had, I think, a lot more fanfare coming into the year, as you mentioned, than than Brian Wu, particularly because I think he had a really strong uh, AFL. Overall, the the season-long performance, you know, pretty good sample. Uh, 25 games started, a 4.32 ERA, a 1.14 WHIP. So, you know, again, not terrible. Uh, pretty solid year. Um, he really showed himself as a control artist with just a 4.8% walk rate, um, but the K rate was pretty disappointing at 22.2%. Um, you know, he's had stronger K rates in the past. Um, you know, within the minors, I, I do feel like there's another step forward that he can take just based off the level of stuff he has. Um, he has a, you know, 95.1 uh, mile an hour fastball. Um, you know, like I said, elite, elite command. Um, you know, he, he's got his secondaries, I think, are where he really, um, you know, struggles to separate himself, um, you know, with those strikeouts. But I think there's some room for, you know, his secondaries to improve, particularly in the Mariners organization. I think he can get to, um, you know, at least, uh, you know, average to above average strikeout rates. And I think with that control, um, you know, you're going to have great ratios and um, all around good pitcher. So that's uh, Bryce Miller. Yeah. You know, I'll be honest. I ended up dropping Bryce Miller a lot more down my list than I thought I would when I started doing my research for this episode. I, I expected to be fairly high on him relative to a lot of the other names, but he, he was down around 16 or 17 for me. And my biggest issue with him is that he is essentially a one-pitch pitcher, that pitch being his fastball. And as hitters started seeing that pitch more and more, you know, you mentioned how good of a pitch it is, but its effectiveness really started to wear off over time. And it became basically an average pitch grading out in the 53rd percentile for fastball run value on the year. And, you know, if your best pitch is a league average fastball, you're just going to have a tough time out there. And yes, I know his fastball, as you mentioned, has some elite characteristics, but that doesn't really matter when it's your only good. I do think he's too young and too talented and in too good of an organization to give up on so early but if i don't see some better secondary stuff to start the year in 2024 i might be trying to cut ties pretty quickly and in as much value as i can yeah so it sounds like with with miller this might be a sell then for you i mean in, in my opinion yes i i i don't know i i think he's a hold right now i'll, I'll put it that way he's a hold right now but i need to see something out of him early next year to not want to sell him. Yeah, I think a lot of people see him as like, you know, the next Logan Gilbert um, or, George, or George Kirby. But like, I, you know, I moved him down similar to you. You know, I had him higher on this list initially, but the closer I looked at him, the more I moved him down. And he was kind of my last of a of that group of pitchers um, that we have talked about. And I, I don't really have a desire to, you know, stick my neck out to grab him anywhere. I, I think no. he's going to be solid. I, I think like you mentioned, you know, he's a potential hole, but if somebody really values him, um, 
you know, as, as kind of higher than, you know, Wu or Sheehan or any of those guys, I would definitely uh, consider selling him rather than buying him. Yeah, I would agree. There, there may be a, a strong selling opportunity here. If like you said, someone does still view him more highly than some of the other guys that we've already taken ahead of him in this draft. Yeah. All right. Who is your next pick? I am going back to the offensive side of things here, and I'm going with really a pure upside play. I'm going with Ronnie Maurizio. Ah, he was my next one as well. <laughs> he, you know, he has some really strong power in particular, but power speed promise. His average exit velocity of 90.7 miles per hour and his max EV of 117.3 miles per hour are just about all I need to see to know that, you know, I want to see him in the bigs to start next year and I want him on my fantasy roster. He's, you know, always had some swing and miss in his game. So a K percentage of 28.7 that he did put up in his debut last year is really no surprise, but he still managed to hit 250, almost 250. I think it was 248. And even if he hits just 250, uh, and that's expecting no improvement, he could still put up, you know, 30 home runs and then another 20-plus stolen bases. He did steal seven bases in his 26-game debut and had 24 in 116 AAA games prior. So there's, you know, some some pretty high counting stat upside here with Ronnie Maurizio if he uh, – continues to hit like that again even if it's just a 250 batting average yeah i mean definitely as you mentioned better in an average league than obp league but you know you mentioned the high strikeout rates the the big thing for him this year was actually in the minors he really really cut his strikeout rate um he got his minor league strikeout rate down to 18.2 percent this year which you know for the history that he's had striking out was really you know that and the crazy exit velocities um are really what propelled his stock this year. I think he was a forgotten prospect kind of coming into this year and didn't have much value at all. So if he can somehow, you know, 28.7, like you mentioned, is not great, but I think for a debut, you'll take that particularly yeah. with that upside there. Um, again, probably not a guy you necessarily want to target in like an OBP league um, just because he's never going to walk much, but you know, sky high upside in a traditional five by five, uh, I really like the pick of, of Ronnie Mauricio and I would be buying him wherever you can. I, I think a lot of people, you know, smarter fantasy managers are going to look at those, uh, those stack cast uh, measures and they're going to, you know, <laughs> be resistant to selling him, but maybe you can get somebody uh, particularly, you know, um, who's focused on more on the OBP side in that K rate and, and be able to snag him. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. I want to get him on my team. Yeah. Um, all right. My next pick is also on the offensive side of the ball, and that is Colton Kowser. So he's an outfielder in the Orioles organization. Um, overall, he had uh, a pretty small sample in the big leagues, only 77 plate appearances, uh, was pretty putrid. Uh, 115, 286, 148 slash, just one steal, no home runs. But even in that small sample that he struggled, he he did show some of the uh, potential there, and that is his elite uh, on-base percentage potential. So he walked at a 16.9% uh, walk rate uh, in his small big league sample. Um, 
you know, struck out 28.6% of the time. But like we discussed with, with Mauricio, you know, that this was just, you know, his first look at the big leagues. It's, it's not horrendous. Uh, you would expect that to come down a little bit, hopefully. And just to kind of give you an idea of his upside in the minors, he slashed 300, 417, 520, um, had a 16% walk rate in the minors. And that's something that he's always had is really, really high, uh, walk rates, uh, 26.8% K rate in the minors. So, you know, again, a little bit on the high end there, but what you're getting here is really an OBP monster. So kind of the opposite of, uh, Ronnie Mauricio, who's really going to have more of that value in the average leagues. Kowser's going to have that value in the OBP leagues. Um, the exit velocities weren't quite as good as Mauricio, but, um, you know, still pretty strong at 87.4, uh, 107.7, uh, max EV 64%, um, you know, sprint speed. And he had elite, uh, chase rate just in that short sample. Like he did not chase at all. And I, I think, again, this is what you're getting with Kowser is somebody who's, um, you know, going to walk a lot, hopefully not strike out too much. I think a lot of that could be because he's maybe a little bit too passive. So if, you know, you can cut the walk rate a little bit and cut that strikeout rate as well. I think you have a really, really good player here um, with some good power, some good speed, and just a, a solid outfielder. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think you hit the uh, the nail on the head there. He's, he's going to be an excellent OBP asset. Um, and Although he did have a very rough big league debut, he did some things in the bigs that he doesn't normally do, like fail to hit the ball with much power at all, as well as hit the ball on the ground nearly 50% of the time, meaning that when he did hit the ball hard, it likely wasn't going much of anywhere. And again, that's not what he normally does. His, his uh, you know, power is usually better than what he showed, and his his ground ball percentage is usually much lower. And as you mentioned, his approach was still very good. He just had trouble bar- barreling up the baseball. And unlike in recent years, the Orioles weren't really in a position to let him figure it out at the big league level because they were finally a playoff contender. So he got sent back down to the minors and kind of went back and forth a little bit. But I do expect Kowser to get another crack at it to start the year in 2024. And I think he's going to look much better this time around. I think yeah, he's another yeah. guy with a really solid buying opportunity. Yeah, I think this is one of the better uh, by lows because he had so much hype last year when he got called up. I mean, he was one of the, you know, most hype prospects, most, and and he really, really disappointed. And I think a lot of people, you know, have a sour taste in their mouths after that. You know, I, I mentioned it, his minor league season in the strong slash. I didn't mention that he also had 17 home runs and nine stolen bases. So mm-hmm. only in 399 plate appearances, but it shows you, you know, he's got that power speed blend and yeah i think out of all the players we talked about he might be one of the better uh buy low opportunities because i just think his stock is at an all-time low right now after that performance all right who is your next pick this is a guy that i really had trouble figuring out where to put him and the main reason why is just having no idea what his playing opportunity is going to be and that's Curtis Mead. You know, we've we've said it before, he needs an opportunity and he just he still hasn't gotten it. He only saw 24 games in the bigs this season and while he didn't do a ton of damage, his slash line was pretty respectable at 253, 326, 349 and his K and walk rates were also pretty respectable at 22.8% K rate and a 7.6% walk rate. 
again, the, the biggest worry is how the Rays are going to use him since he doesn't really have a true defensive home. But I expect the bat to play if he does get a chance. And, you know, maybe that means it's not with Tampa Bay, but there's a lot to like in this bat. He just needs an opportunity. He needed to come off the board. Yeah. Um, great, great by low, I think, you know, because a lot of people are going to see him as not having a job, as not really being given a chance by by the race org and you know hopefully you get him moved or or they find a spot for him because the talent is is too great to not uh be able to do that the one thing you know i i kind of wonder with him is just kind of that ceiling because he doesn't have a lot of speed um he has a lot of raw power but that didn't really show forth in um the stack cast numbers only uh 83.5 uh average exit velocity in those 92 plate appearances but i think the plate approach is great i think he's especially in like a points league I would definitely want him on my team. Um, but yeah, I, I like that pick of Curtis Mead. Um, I'm going to go with another Oriole here, uh, hitter, and that is Jordan Westberg. So Jordan Westberg, I think, is an extremely underrated prospect. And I think a big reason for that is just the way he really hasn't been given an opportunity uh, at the big league level. And uh, last year, you know, he got, um, you know, he, he did get a decent run, um, 228 plate appearances, uh, had a 260, 311, 404 slash. So, you know, performed fairly well, um, you know, 7% walk rate, 24%, 24.6% K rate, three home runs, four stolen bases. So really kind of showed uh, his ability to have, again, some of that power speed blend. But I think if you look under the hood, what was really exciting is, is the stack has numbers that he put up. Um, so you mentioned, you know, Ronnie Mauricio having that 90.7% um, you know, average exit velocity, um, you know, Westberg's was 90.2. Uh, he had a, a 111 max, um, 88 percentile sprint speed. So this is a guy where, you know, the underlying tools are, are there. Um, and you look at what he, you know, did between the majors and minors last year. You know, I mentioned the major leagues and the minor leagues, he slashed 295, 372, 567, um, 9.6% walk rate, 21% K rate. 18 home runs, six stolen bases. Um, I think this is a guy who is going to get you power and he's going to get you, you know, maybe not tons of speed, but he's going to have double digit steals. I think the big question with him is just where does he play in that crowded um, Orioles organization? You know, he's kind of bounced around a little bit, but that could be a bonus with uh, some positional eligibility. What are your thoughts on Westberg? Yeah, you you mentioned it. My biggest concern with him is where he plays and whether or not he ends up with a full-time job in Baltimore. Um, you know, there are already so many young hitters there and many, many more on the way. Someone's going to have to take a job away from someone else. And I just don't know how long Westberg will have an everyday role without a trade. Someone in Baltimore needs to be traded. Multiple someones. Really, they if you know if they do what i think 95% of our uh, discord community thinks they should we probably see three or four of these young hitters get traded away for some pitching and that's going to op- open up some opportunities for someone whether it be in baltimore or whether it be in whatever new city they end up in but there is a lot to like with westberg there are just a lot of questions right now yeah yeah, it's definitely, but but I think that creates a, a buy low opportunity similar to what you discussed with Curtis Mead, right? Is that, you know, if, if he had a regular job, you know, based on the pretty decent performance he put up as a rookie, you know, he would be 
coveted a lot more, but I think people kind of see him potentially as like a utility bench player right now. And that really keeps his value down. And it's, you know, if there's any kind of a trade, I think that value just skyrockets. So Absolutely. I, I yep. really think he's a great buy low. Yeah, um, I completely agree with you. But who is your next pick here? My next pick sticking on the offensive side of things is going to be Henry Davis. Now, one of the nicest things about Henry Davis coming into this year was that he had catcher eligibility for fantasy without actually playing the position. And while that may not continue for many more years, I do think you can still get some solid value out of him. He's a guy that hits the ball hard. He runs well, and he's especially going to help you in your OBP leagues. Yeah, 72 percentile uh, sprint speed, which is just crazy for a guy who got a 30 run grade on uh yeah. <laughs> on fan graphs so <laughs> yeah but again and that's that's one of those things where if you can get you know maybe for the next year or two those you know 20 plus stolen bases hopefully out of your catcher position there's a ton of value in that you know who who really does that outside yeah. of maybe jt real muto and i don't think his stolen base count was even that high this year yeah, the big question is just, is he going to see those catcher plate appearances? Um, I I have my doubts. Um, I guess it really comes down to how comfortable they are with with Endy and, you know, how much they they care for uh, Davis's defense, which, you know, from all accounts, is not great. But yeah, uh, I, I do think that even if he's outfield only, I think there's a lot of value there because I think oh, absolutely, you know, he's really, really undervalued right now. I think he's going to be a great power bat. And like you mentioned, you know, potentially you know double digit stolen bases as well um so yeah i think he's a he's a great buy low yeah and like you said i i think that's a, a really good point he's not only valuable if he has catcher eligibility he's still going to be a solid fantasy player if he ends up with strictly outfield eligibility yeah i agree um okay my next pick is uh going back to the pitching side this time a little bit of a homer pick, and that is Kyle Harrison. So Ooh, I, I'll be honest, not even <laughs> on my list for this draft. I figured you'd say that. Um, I think that's why it's a little bit of a homer pick. But but you, hear me you out. You know, you know very well how I feel about him. Yeah, but hear me out. So here, here's the thing with Kyle Harrison: <laughs> is throughout his history as a prospect, he is a pitcher who has shown a lot of great swing and miss stuff. The biggest issue with him has always been the walks. He's really, really struggled with his control. That's always been the thing kind of holding him back. But the the stuff has always been there for him to be, you know, a really, really good, you know, maybe not ace, but, you know, maybe number two, number three starter. Like, the, he's always had really, really high upside uh, if he could get that control under wraps. He did not this year in the minor leagues. He really, really struggled with the control in the minor leagues, which... Um, uh, let's see, 21 games started, 4.52 ERA, 1.48 whip, 36.2% K uh, strikeout rate. So you could think about, you know, that is an elite, elite strikeout rate. And then the horrendous 15.9% walk Ooh. rate, right? So this is a reliever, right? <laughs> yes. But, but that's only half the story. Eventually he gets called up to the big leagues. And what does he do in the big leagues? He posts a 7.5% walk rate in seven games started. He completely changes his profile. He, the, the Ks weren't quite there. Um, 
but seeing the improvements he made to the walk rate was extremely encouraging. And I think part of the reason why his walk rate bottomed out in the upper minors is uh, at AAA is because of the automated strike zone um, that they were testing there. And a lot of pitchers had issues with this. And from all accounts, Harrison was one of those pitchers. So for me, even though, you know, his overall performance, 415 ERA, 1.15 whip. I mean, that that's pretty good ratio wise. Um, 23.8% K rate, which was really, really shocking. He did not really strike out anybody at the major league level. And then the real hard hitter was the, the home run per nine over two. But I love to see prospects who can show that they can fix their weakness. And, you know, I think seven games started is enough of a sample that I'm willing to bet that with an off season to prepare, I think he can, you know, I, I doubt he'll he'll replicate a walk rate that low, but I think he can keep the walks manageable and get some of that uh, swing and miss back. You know, his his velo was down a little bit in the big leagues versus what it was in AAA, and I think, um, you know, some of that could have been fatigue, particularly, you know, you think about all those high-stress innings with all those walks in the minors. So I've really kind of encouraged about his future outlook, and I, I think, you know, based on what you're saying, I think there's a great buy-low opportunity here. And in my opinion, I think this is a good sell high opportunity <laughs> because I think he's basically one of two pitchers. I don't think he's the kind of guy that's going to put everything together because as you mentioned in the minors, incredibly, incredibly good stuff, tons of swing and miss, tons of walks gets to the bigs. And as you mentioned, that kind of swaps, he doesn't K as many guys but he doesn't walk nearly as many. That being said, if you look at even his K minus walk percentage, even though his walk rate was more than halved in the bigs compared to what it was in the minors, his K minus walk rate was still 3% lower than what it was when he was walking the world in AAA. I think this is a guy who, to get those you know, better walk rates, to get that improved control had to sacrifice some of his stuff. And I think that if he wants to have that elite stuff with those big K numbers, he needs to be moved to the bullpen. And he's going to be, albeit a very good reliever with a ton of Ks, but if he's going to stick in the rotation, I think what we saw in the bigs is kind of who he is. I think he's going to get hard, get, going to get hit hard because he needs to kind of take a step back and, you know, take something off of his pitches to be able to control them. He was going all out in the minors. His stuff looked incredible, but he had no idea where it was going. And I just don't think he's the kind of guy that can combine all of that and become that complete pitcher that many Giants fans want him to be. Yeah. Well, like I said, I, I think, you know, that's what makes this fun, right? Is because we have different opinions on, on these uh, these players. And I think... You know, if, if you're somebody who sides with me and, and thinks that, you know, you can combine the best of both worlds, then this is an amazing buy low opportunity. But if you're someone like, uh, like Kyle, um, that, you know, doesn't feel that way, then, um, great sell high opportunity. So really divisive player there, Kyle Harrison, but, uh, interesting player nonetheless. So who is your next pick? Uh, real quick, before I get to my next pick, I want to ask you about a trade that I made in the last off season just about a year ago now, 
Yeah, I think I know the answer because we've already discussed uh, the other player involved, but I traded Kyle Harrison straight up for Colton Kowser in a standard five by five league. And I wonder, looking back on it a year later, what do you think of that deal? I think it's a great deal. I, I still think, you know, Colton Kowser, much safer pick than Kyle Harrison. Um, you know, I, I definitely would would go with the Kowser side. I just think that, you know, for for the upside, um, the risk is worth taking for Kyle Harrison because, you know, if if he can uh, you know, get that, you know, show that swing and miss stuff at the major league level, uh, and just keep the walks, you know, acceptable. Um, I, I think the ceiling's pretty high there, but yeah, I would, I would still take Kowser over him. So I like that trade a lot. Um, yeah. Who's, who's your next guy. All right. So my next guy, I am going back to the mound and this is a guy that I had significantly higher than, uh, than Harrison on my list. And honestly, I had him over Brian Wu and over Bryce Miller as well, as far as arms go. Um, and that's AJ Smith Shaver. I think just about the only thing that needs to be said about Shaver is that the Braves were confident enough in him to bring him up to bigs at just the age of 20. And yes, they had some injury problems in their rotation and needed the help, but they had a lot of other arms who were a lot closer with a lot more seasoning in that organization that they could have gone to first. Now, don't be surprised if we don't see A.J. smith Shaver in the bigs to start 2024, but if that's the case, I think he will come up pretty quickly. And I think this is a kid with a ton of talent and a ton of promise. And, you know, that's an organization that has shown time and time again that they are willing to be aggressive with their prospects. And I don't really know that they've gotten it wrong yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like him a lot. He, he was one I was kind of going back and forth with him and uh, Harrison. I think with Harrison, the winner for me is that, you know, he's going to have a role next year. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, we don't know quite when we're going to see Smith Shaver again. Um, I think just the meteoric rise he had from high A to, to the majors was amazing for a 20 year old. Um, particularly, you know, his first, I think five games started between high A and double A. He didn't give up any earn runs, which is just incredible. But I think mm-hmm. one thing that, that kind of started to hurt him, um, in the, the upper minors and, uh, in the big leagues was just the walk rate started to, to creep up. And I do wonder, um, ultimately what that that walk rate looks like but you gotta uh you know for for a player that young who's skipping that many levels i mean you you have to give him time to develop um i don't think we'll see him necessarily in in a full-time role till the second half next year but i think he's a great by low opportunity because he is um you know a great pitching prospect like you said you had him above brian Wu even uh, which, you know, I don't, but I think that shows that it's there's close. A, it's there's close, but I've got him there. just a hair over me. Yeah. I think for, for, for ceiling wise. Sure. I, I just wonder, you know, who really is a, AJ Smith Shaver at this point? Um, you know, we, we kind of need to have, see a normal season out of him. Um, Cause it was really, you know, interesting his, his rise and, and kind of, um, you know, his struggles later on uh, at the higher levels. So uh, yeah, I like that pick a lot. I think there's a great buy low opportunity there. I would be all about it. Um, so I think we have one last pick each. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be a tough one for me. Um, there's a lot of hitters that I'm kind of torn between for that final pick. So maybe we'll do like a honorable mention, uh, at the end here, but I guess I did the Homer pick last time in Kyle Harrison. So, 
Um, I guess I'll do the homer pick again and do Luis Matos. So I knew it. <laughs> I, that, that was the next, that was the top guy left on my list too. And if you didn't pick him, I would have really questioned you going against your giant. Yeah. I, I, he's kind of at the top of a bunch of hitters that I think have some, some question marks, but uh, have a lot to like too. And so for me with Matos, I think he, you know, didn't have the best debut, but he acquitted himself decently. Well, 253 plate appearances, a 250 average 319 OBP, 342 slug, which was really the big downside and, and the question about him. Uh, the approach was great. 7.9% walk rate, 13% K rate. The dude just does not strike out. Uh, at the minor leagues, in 285 plate appearances, he had more walks than strikeouts with a 9.8% walk rate, 8.1% K rate. So points leagues, this guy's a stud. Um, I think the big question comes down to what are you going to get with those counting stats? And the minor league numbers do show some encouragement. He slashed 331, 401, 543 with 12 home runs and 15 stolen bases and just 285 plate appearances. So really good power speed numbers for, for that small of, of sample size. But the caveat there is nine of those home runs came in a rather short stretch in the PCL. So 152 plate appearances in the PCL and he was just on fire, but we all know the PCL is a hitter's haven. And I just wonder, you know, what ultimately is that power speed upside tools wise. He's, you know, graded out as below average power, um, average speed. He's really known for, for the approach and the hit tool. Uh, so I, I do have some misgivings, especially in, in San Francisco's ballpark about kind of that, that upside in a traditional, you know, five by five league. But I think, you know, you're going to have a player who's going to be, um, you know, has a really, really high floor and especially in a points league, I would be buying. And I think the value is pretty low on him, uh, at this point. Yeah, I think I, I agree. This was a guy that I was in on coming into 2023 and he was certainly a letdown, but I'm still interested in him going forward because he's a hitter who doesn't chase the ball much, doesn't whiff hardly at all. And because of that combination doesn't strike out much either. I, I wish it meant he walked more too, but that's never really been a particular strength in his game. Um, but I do expect him to start impacting the ball a little bit more in 2024 but at the very least, this is a guy who should be able to provide some decent value for you in a batting average league, even if his counting stats never, you know, really jump off the page. Yeah, yeah, definitely more of a floor play, but but one that I think you can get pretty good value on now. Um, so that's my last pick. Who is your last pick? So my last pick, speaking of floor plays, is uh, Sal Frelick. So another guy whose you know numbers don't jump off the page at you at 246 average 341 on base percentage and similar to Matos the slug was you know nothing to write home about it just 351 but when we look at his approach numbers his K and walk rates are incredibly strong he walked 12.6 percent of the time in his uh 57 game big league debut and that's a 223 plate appearance sample so that's a meaningful sample and along with that strong walk rate he also struck out just 16.6 percent of the time now if we flip over to his savant page a lot of that shows through you know he had top end with percentage numbers top end k rate top end walk rate 
And on top of all that, while he doesn't necessarily hit the ball particularly hard, he also has an 82nd percentile sprint speed. And when we, you know, look at some of those numbers, he hit three home runs, but stole seven bases in his time in the bigs. And this is a guy who, again, similar to Luis Matos, is a really strong floor play who I think you're going to get a lot out of in, again, on base percentage leagues in particular. Um, but I, I I do like him even in an average league and think that he might even provide more from a counting stat perspective than a guy like Luis Matos. Yeah, I think you, you probably won't get the home runs of Matos, but no. you'll get more stolen bases for yeah, sure. Yeah, more stolen bases. And I, I think I like the lineup a little bit better in Milwaukee. So the runs and RBIs might be a touch better. Neither of those lineups are, you know, particularly strong, but I think I like Milwaukee's a little bit better. Yeah, I I mean, I, I've said this several times. It's not my favorite profile, um, but that being said, I think there is, you know, there is some hope that he can maybe get to double digits, um, you know, home runs as a, a big leaguer. You know, they've never really been part of his, um, you know, minor league profile, but, you know, he's got the talent there. He did tear a ligament in his thumb this year. So that can definitely, you know, sap some, some power as well. But um, I think what you're, you're buying into there is a, uh, a hitter who's, you know, maybe hits at like the top of the lineup, steals some bases, um, not going to have much power, but like you said, he's going to be a points league and an OBP uh, asset for sure. And I, I think, you know, his, his values way down from what it was. In yeah, my opinion. He's, he's a great buy low opportunity. He's, he's going to be on base all the time. Awesome. Well, that is our, we each picked uh, 10 players. So um, let's do some honorable mentions real quick. So who did you have on your list that uh, didn't get selected here? So I had a couple other kind of floor plays that were on the edge of, you know, whether or not I wanted to pick the most notably Sedan Rafaela out of Boston, who I think is kind of right in that same vein as Amatos or a Frelick, but does offer more upside when it comes to the power. And then there were some some ceiling plays that are that kind of just slipped outside my top 20. Guys like Parker Meadows, Everson Pereira, even Lawrence Butler, Joey Weimer, Marco Luciano all show promise as far as what their tools can be if they can show that they can hit enough. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of had I had Matos, Butler, Pereira, Rafaela, Frelick, uh kind of in one block mm-hmm. um, that I was considering for that, for that last pick there. Um, you mentioned Weimer. I, I really like him. It's just a matter of, you know, the, the tools are sky high. It's just a matter of if he can get, um, you know, the, the hit tool down <laughs> and yes. the, the strikeouts under control. Um, but huge upside there. And Michael Bush, uh, let's not forget about him. He's kind of a forgotten man because he doesn't play a position, but had, um, really, really strong performances in the minor leagues, um, you know, had almost 30 home runs these last two seasons, um, in the high minors needs a trade. Um, but you know, could be, uh, an asset to, uh, think about if he can get to a team that's willing to devote some DH plate appearances to him. Absolutely. Um, uh, you mentioned doesn't really have a position and didn't really get that opportunity. And, you know, we talked about other guys like that, but he's just a little lower on the list. Um, one other arm I wanted to mention was a guy we saw 
kind of briefly towards the end of the year, and that's Connor Phillips. He's kind of in the same vein as a guy like Kyle Harrison, a guy with big strikeout upside, but needs to rein in that control and is in a far less pitcher-friendly ballpark there in Cincinnati. Yeah, I'm I'm out on Phillips. I think if you have him, sell him now while you can because he's a reliever. And I think the only kind of bump to his value, the, the big bump to his value this year was his performance in Double A, where the the walk rates really fell. But that was all with the tacky ball. Um, so if you take that tacky ball away, he's just he's never been able to control the ball. Um, yeah. So I I'm totally out on him i think he's uh he's a sell for sure um before yeah, he's a I'm, drop. I'm with you there he was just really the the only other pitcher even remotely in consideration left on the list for me yeah i agree i same same here um one thing i want to ask you about real quick uh before we cut things out is so we mentioned those honorable mentions right we mentioned butler Pereira, rafaela weimer bush luciano meadows uh we threw phillips in there out of all those guys, who do you think is the best Philo? Of those honorable mentions. Um, out of all those honorable mentions, I might go with Parker Meadows if for no other reason than the fact that he's got the most clear path to playing because I I don't know who is going to stop him in in that organization in Detroit. Um, you know, there's a lot to like with a lot of those other guys but Parker Meadows has really kind of burst onto the scene in the last year or two. And if he can get the opportunity, I could see his stock. rise. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I think for me, it would be Lawrence Butler um, just because I feel the value is just so low. Like nobody cares about Lawrence Butler. I mean, he's yeah. in a, uh, on a team nobody cares about, um, you know, didn't do anything, you know, noteworthy in, in his big league debut, but I think there's a lot of upside there for a really strong major league player. Um, the stack cast numbers were great. Uh, and I think um, he's going to have the opportunity, right? In Oakland. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he he's doesn't have to worry about it. <laughs> he's an interesting one too, because he had, you know, a ton of hype when he was putting up really, really strong numbers in spring training and people were calling for him to make the, the big league club out of spring training. And then he didn't, and he didn't do a whole lot in the minors. And then he just kind of went away. And like you said, he's really being slept on at this point, considering how high his tools could get. Yeah. And let me just read off his minor league numbers because I think they're uh you know pretty eye-opening here. He had a 284, 350, 475 slash, uh 9.2% walk rate, but only an 18.9% K rate, 15 home runs, 21 stolen bases, and 412 plate appearances. I mean, I think, you know, that's what you want to see uh, from a minor leaguer. And I think he's just uh, really, really being slept on. So I think you can get him for for not a lot at all. And I think he makes a, a great buy low. But um, that's all the time we have for today. So, um, Kyle, thank you for joining me for this draft. Uh, we'll see what happens with these players. But I think we have a, um, a list of potential buy lows that you can go after uh, after they struggled in their big league debuts. So please go ahead and follow us uh, on social media. I'll post everything in the show notes. And thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time.